Welcome to What Do You Believe? You're here because you're curious, and I love that. I love asking people this question, what do you believe? We all believe in something, and perhaps you're asking yourself this question, and you're here because you are curious, like me. Happy 2022, everyone. Welcome back to What Do You Believe? Today's conversation is with Alexandra Bonetti. She is the founder and CEO of The Talent Hack, which is a SaaS model to help propel individuals and companies in the fitness space to help grow their business. Sort of like a Shopify for the fitness industry, which of course is completely 100% genius. I am so proud to welcome Alexandra. Alexandra, hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you are with us. Thank you. So I always start the show with my favorite question. What do you believe? The biggest question. Mm. But I like that we're kicking off with that. So I thought about this one, and I think it's a question that I'm constantly asking myself as a human being, as an entrepreneur, as a mom. And if I had to boil it down to something, it would be that I really believe in the little moments that make everything up. When I was a kid, I don't know when my dad started saying this to me, but I remember my whole life kind of thinking about it. He would tell us that there's a difference between being happy and unhappy and being joyful and being sad and that you could choose and be really intentional about being a happy human being and still have joyful moments and sad moments. And that being joyful and sad is part of living life. And and being sad doesn't mean that you're an unhappy person and really kind of living the moment. And Mm -hmm. the way that you build happiness is through enjoying the joyful and the sad moments. And I think that I've I've really taken that to heart throughout my life. And I'm a big believer in finding joy in every single thing that life throws at you, everything that you build, every consequence that you have, every interaction that you have. Um, I really enjoy just the the little things, even when they come out of, you know, really big things. Mm, I love the answer to that question. I love your answer. It's beautiful. So in, in terms of, especially being an entrepreneur, you know, you really do have to find the joy in <laughs> Mm -hmm. in many things because it's so challenging. I mean, of course, life itself, and especially after this, these last two years, at what point in your life did you feel, did you have at any point in your life a situation or a moment where you were sort of, okay, what is this about? I mean, am I on solid footing? What do I need to do? Do I have to do I have to change something in my life? Do I have to, to go through a transformation of sorts? Was there any anything or anything that happened at any point that was sort of that aha moment for you? I think I have those moments a lot. <laughs> I won't say every day because that might seem like an exaggeration, but I'm a risk taker is my personality, mm-hmm. right? So I'm I think every founder has to be a little bit crazy and, and my crazy is just taking really big risks and just going for things. And so as a risk taker, you're kind of 
jumping off into the abyss all the time. And so you have a lot of moments where you're like, am I going to land? You know, right. am I going to land alive? Like how, how is this? So, so I think I have those moments a lot. I think one kind of definitive moment that comes to my mind where I had to change, you know, something about myself was I've suffered of anxiety my whole life. I can't remember when I wasn't anxious and anxiety mismanaged is cumulative, right? So, so I, I remember having anxiety when I was a high schooler, you know, taking Mm. exams and, and then add college to that, add, you know, a career and starting your first business. And, And so I, at some point in my life, after I had my business for, for a few years, I started having I don't know at the time that I thought of them as panic attacks, but now looking back, I can definitely understand that they were probably that until mm-hmm. at one point I, I biked myself to the ER and I, I walked in and I was like, there's something like my heart, <laughs> there's something wrong right. with my heart. And I was having an anxiety attack. And then I got medicated then, which was the best thing that I could have done in that moment, you know, to pull myself out of my anxiety attacks. And then and then I got pregnant and I had to quil- quit my medication, cold turkey, and go through my pregnancy without really knowing how to manage my anxiety because I, I, you know, I had been medicated and that's what, what had worked. And then I had my first child and I still had my normal, regular day-to-day, you know, problems and challenges with my first business. And at, at some point, my first son Joaquin was like a true nighttime terrorist. Like he just would not even blink at night. So after, you know, weeks and weeks of no sleep with him as a newborn and, and, and still dealing with my business, you know, as an entrepreneur in in that moment, I couldn't take maternity leave. So I was just kind of trying to do it all. I was so exhausted. And I, I felt like I'm, I'm going to get an anxiety attack again. Like I can just feel it. And and I need to do something like something's got to change. And so that's when I, after years of, of what I call fake meditating, of downloading every single app and going to all the yeah. classes and trying it mm. all, I took a course that was different for some reason. It just clicked differently and mm. I started meditating. And my second meditation in this course, I remember I had to open my eyes and just make sure that my body was still physically there because I couldn't feel it. I just felt like I had kind of dissolved into the atmosphere. And rationally, I knew that that was impossible. I was there, but, but it it was just such an an overwhelming feeling. And I wasn't a believer. I, I really didn't trust meditation because I had tried it so many times and it hadn't worked for me. And I had kind of decided that meditation wasn't for me. I'm too loud. You know, I have too many things going on in my mind, like sitting down and not not doing anything for 20 minutes is actually the opposite of what I need. Right. I had convinced myself of all of that. And so it was a really, it was an eye-opening experience to go through that course and, and feel something. Yes. And so I stuck with it. And three weeks in, I was sleeping three months in, I had no anxiety. Like I I had the same problems. I had the same baby. I was still not sleeping. You know, I still had fires to put out in in my business and none of it felt like it was overwhelming. And now, you know, I don't almost six years in five and a half years in, I feel like I'm a different person. However, it's really like I'm the most me that I've ever been. Mm, and meditation really, really changed my life. It really transformed everything for me. It took me, you know, hitting rock bottom and 
and having a, an eight week old baby in my arms and feeling like, should I take him to the hospital with me <laughs> with this anxiety wow. attack or, um, wow. and it just, it really, it really changed my life. So I've had those moments of just like really deep, you know, I have to do something, but I yeah. think every day there's, there's some skepticism in, in your brain. It's like, am I doing the right thing? You know, as much as you believe in it and are mission driven. Right. Right. Well, we share the same meditation teacher. So we're both Vedic meditators and you, and you meditate with your entire family, right? I mean, didn't you all go together? (laughs) Yeah, we all, so my sister had just taken the course a few weeks before I did. And she was the one who, you know, when I was feeling this way, she was like, just try it. Like it's, I promise you it's different. Just give it a shot. And then I took the course with my mom and her husband and my husband and my little sister. So the rest of us kind of, you know, got into it. And then I sense, I think all of my close friends have taken it since not everyone sticks with it, right? It's discipline, like anything else in your life. But my husband now meditates both my sister's and me. And yes, it's, it's definitely easier to stick to it when you are living the experience with, with people around you. For sure. For sure. I too suffered with anxiety in my twenties and thirties and didn't really discover meditation with, with Robert Hammond, Vedic meditation until eight years ago. And it is a game changer. And, you know, you hear everyone saying, oh, meditation, but this is truly something that, you know, if you put the time in it, really, you do get so much back. And, and it's not, there's no judgment. If you fall off, you get right back in there. And it, it is, it is an amazing tool. It's a tool. It's, it's, it's really a, it's fantastic. It's a mind technique. And I think that that's why it worked really well for me. Even yes. though I am a deeply spiritual person, I didn't want anything spiritual. I really wanted something that would fix what I was feeling. And, right. and, you know, you start by, like I said, for me, I was sleeping more. Um, all of a sudden you feel more refreshed in the mornings and you're like, I wonder like, why am I feeling this way? I wonder if it's meditation. And then just everything starts adding up until, you know, years in, it's just very clearly you are, you, you, you've healed a bunch of the stressors that have accumulated throughout your life. And, and you just, you feel more clear, you know, just more sharp in general. I think of it as, as a real mind, mind tool. Yes, absolutely. And there's no need to run around like a crazy person to get things done. You don't have to live <laughs> in that anxiety, stress head, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, not I necessary. Think, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I still run around like a crazy person. I'm just not stressed out about it. <laughs> I mm. really, really, I really enjoy the chaos. It's, it just, it comes it doesn't come like a wave crashing down. It just, I'm like, oh, cool. Like I, I can solve that. Like that's, that's fun. You know, it's just like a very different approach right. to, to the day to day. Absolutely. So on your website, part of your description, I, I love this. A sentence is, it says heavily Vedic meditated Scorpio, believer of magic and true story movies. <laughs> I need to hear more about this description. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love it. So my, I'm from Venezuela, from Caracas, from like a really big city, you know, the size of New York City. And my mom and her family is from, from Ecuador, mm. from the Andes, like very indigenous 
mountainous, you know, like snow-capped mountain Andes regions, very like homey and warm in this. It's a, it's to me, it's, it's like, it's my favorite place on the planet. And I think from that side of the family, I grew up with, if my, if my belly hurt, my grandmother would walk us to some mountain and would, you know, grab some flowers and then go make us a tea and drink it. And so I grew up with this very earthy family that I think really impacted me. And, Mm. and she, my great grandmother who passed away a few years ago. So I had her my whole life. She was like another grandmother. She was very kind of in touch with her sixth sense in a way that feels a little bit like magic, you know, just, just like things that you wouldn't really share with a lot of people because it just sounds like that cannot possibly be true, but she just felt things in a different dimension. And so I grew up with that really close to me. And, Mm. and it's something that I've always been really skeptical of, but that I really enjoy. I love an astrology reading and I love energy healers. You know, I think that there is a whole side of the world that we that we don't know much about. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I just, I really get a lot out of it. And I think it's, it's fun. So, so that's part of it. And then I think what grounds that for me are just true stories. I think that I love reading even fictional history, you know, just anything that's based on reality. I think that there's so much depth and interesting facts and just the things that happen every single day to all of us. And I think that the juxtaposition of those two things, just like the magical stuff that we don't really understand and, and the reality of our day to day are just like two of the most fascinating things for me. And I think about it as a mom, I have a three and a half year old and a five year old and Mm. they, I, I love that they're at a stage where they believe anything <laughs> I tell them. Yeah. And I really love being able to, to expand that for them and be an expander for them in that things like anything can be real, you know, and at some point they'll realize that that's not true, but I really enjoy just playing around with those concepts with them yeah. and, and making them really explore that. Do you do a lot of visualizations yourself? Not so much. Honestly, I, I used to try to do it more. I think for myself, I, I've come to terms with, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have any time. Mm-hmm. And with the time that I do have, instead of prioritizing all of the things that I would love to do, like I would love to read the newspaper in physical, you know, like the physical newspaper every day. I would love to read books every night. I would love to watch old movies and cook. I love cooking. I never cook. I would love to hang out with more of my friends. Like I don't have time for any of that. So what are the top things that I absolutely need in my life to be really happy? And that's being hundred percent committed to my job. I love my work and, and my team. And I feel like my job is to serve my team. So being there for them comes with, you know, a lot of kind of extra homework being there for my family is, is probably my number one thing in the same way. You know, if I'm, if I have extra time, I'm going to spend it reading a parenting book and just like, just being a better, you know, wife and mom Mm -hmm. and meditation is that's, that's like the one practice that I know I can't give up if I do, I'm not my best self. And so those are the three things that I'm like super hyper committed to. Everything else happens like 
once in a blue moon. And if I, you know, if I get to hang out with my friends, I enjoy every second of it, but I'm not, I don't feel bad when two weeks go by and I just, you know, I didn't have time to go to that dinner because I know where my priorities are. So that's been really important to me right. in, and just being really happy with my life mm-hmm. and my day-to-day is like, what are the things that absolutely give me the most fulfillment and that I really want to invest in to be the best at those things? And what are things that, you know, if I, if I don't get them every day, I'm going to be okay. They're, I'm not going to need them. I'm not going to feel guilty that I don't have them. And I think that, that, that like magic exploration is one of those things where when I get it, it's really fun. I enjoy it so much, but I don't actively seek it. Mm, right. I'm just hearing this incredible persistence in your drive to do your job. Um, you're, you're so incredibly motivated and inspiring because I feel that energy from you. Where do you think that you, who was your, who was your inspiration growing up? Where did you get this, this, where did you, how did you find this or have this or acquire this? I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is my mom. Both my parents just worked my whole life and my mom, especially, I think as a, as a woman and a mom was particularly special for me to see as I grew up and she was really successful in what she did and very committed and still found time to be the best mom on the planet you know so even though she worked a ton and really long hours she would still break in the middle of the day to go pick us up at school and drop us off you know at home and she would make sure to be there at dinner time and sometimes after dinner time she she would go back to the office after we were after we were asleep so I think just seeing her has to me, that's been the, the, that's the norm, you know, that's like the the normal thing for me has been her, the way that she did it. So it doesn't feel, I don't feel special for, for, for doing what I'm doing. My mom did it. So it it just feels like very normal to me. I do think that there's like that crazy that I spoke about. It's just part of my DNA a little bit. Like I, when I was little, I skipped a grade because I learned to read and write and and I learned math before I was supposed to. And so I skipped basically kindergarten and I went straight into first grade. I was five years old. Like I was not ready to go into first grade. You know, wow, from, five. Um, yeah, I was this little. So all so everyone in first grade knew how to write in cursive. And I and I didn't because I had just you know, learned to read and write. I don't know how at home. And so I would set set an alarm. This is like pre-phones, you know, pre-smartphones. I would set like a physical clock alarm at, for 5 a.m. at the age of five so that I would wake up and practice cursive before going to school. And, and in, in high school, I also like taught myself a few nerdy subjects because I, I switched schools and I just hadn't had. So I, I think that I just like part, I'm a little bit built that way where what drives me is not monetary or financial success at all it's really just like growth and achieving and learning Mm. and hitting that next milestone and and I think part of it is just like really I'm just born that way and and I think that what made it real for me what you know the person that brought it home for me and made and made me realize like that's you can totally be that way was my mom amazing I mean I she's an incredible woman and you know, I, I adore her. So this is how we met was through your mom. Yeah. 
you know, I, I was reading quite a lot of interviews with you. And I remember when I read that you had this idea for your fitness gym when it was Bari Studios mm-hmm. and you had this, this idea and you just said, I, I had the idea and I just went and I just wrote the business plan. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. It's, it's, you know, you went to Wharton, you went to a great school. So clearly, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had the training, but it was just so, it's so, it's so interesting because it's just like you wrote the business plan. I mean, I think sometimes entrepreneurs, they have this fantasy about being an entrepreneur, about the creative side of it, which is of course a huge side of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's also, how do you mesh, you know, the important part of the business aspect and then the creative and you're kind of, your you're, you have so many different, you know, things and hats that you have to wear, and then you have to bring them all together. And then as an intuitive person, you know, bring in your intuition and your gut to, to make these decisions. And I'm curious as a businesswoman, how you do that. So I think that that's changed a little bit with time and experience. I think that when I was when I put together my first business plan, I was 23. I opened Bari at 24. And I think that you are a lot freer of experiences then, right? You're like, anything is possible. I can absolutely do this. And you believe in yourself in such a pure way because you just haven't ran yourself against a million walls. <laughs> you just haven't right. had those experiences yet. I think that that when I was making business decisions, then they were a lot more they had a lot more conviction from the gut of just like, I want to do this and I'm going to make it work. And you build the business plan that you, that you want, right? Like you're just just kind of putting the numbers in there that you are just pretending that you can get to. I think that now after having, you know, built that business and sold it and, and started my tech business now and, and having, a board of directors and and investors and advisors that I truly look up to and and am mentored by and a leadership team that pushes back on me. You know, like there there's just so many other intelligent forces around me that I've mm. that now I make I still want to say that the the nail on the coffin is still my my intuition and my gut, but I I'm a lot more analytical and strategic. And I think that that's good and bad. You know, I think that that one of the reasons I love working with young, and I don't mean, I don't mean young necessarily in age, but just like inexperienced people is because they bring so much just grit and determination and like anything is possible. We're just going to get it done and figure it out in a way that you know, once you've ran different businesses, you just don't anymore because you have so much more experience in your head. And so I think that that the mix of having both of being able to still kind of listen to your gut and having the analytical experience and the right kind of team around you is is the dream. It's it, it never ends, right? Like that's always evolving. But I think that I prefer the way that I make decisions now as to as as to before. But I think that they both have a ton of, of merit. Yes. Yes. So fascinating. And you just did a raise, huge raise, 17 million. And you're the first Latina founder to raise that amount of of funding, which is Mm -hmm. incredible. And tell us the importance of your, you know, 
being, of course, the importance of being a female tech founder, but as a Latina, how do you identify with this and, you know, the importance of, of this milestone? Yeah. Yeah. I think I should think about it more <laughs> the way that you, that you just said it. It's very exciting. It feels like a, like a career accomplishment to raise a series A in general. You know, that's exciting for me again, because what drives me is, is growth. And so that's something that I hadn't done before. I didn't know how to raise money. I didn't understand the VC world at all three years ago. So to, to just dive in and figure it out has been really fun, really fun for me. And I think that the way that, that we approached the fundraise was really fulfilling. We were really, I, I, I was looking for a partner, you know, for my next board member. And that comes with a big check, which is, which is obviously the point of it, but for us, the why and the core of it was really, we were looking for the best partner and, and someone who would understand our, our direction and, and what we value and, and would, you know, hold our hands through, throughout the journey. And so I just, I really enjoyed the experience. And as soon as you find that person, for me, as soon as I met them and I spoke to, I think some of the best investors in Silicon Valley, as soon as I, as I met my match, I knew that they were the one. And then when you basically get asked out by them, <laughs> when they give you the term sheet, that's like a really, really exciting moment for me and for our team, because we had been working really hard to hit that, that milestone. And then the next day for me, again, this is, I'm, this is just the way that my, my body is built. But for me, the next day I was like, okay, so what's next, you know, what's the next milestone And how are we going to get there? And now the next flagpole is so far, so far away and it's so blurry. And so you're kind of starting, you know, all over again to figure out, just grab machetes and let's go, you know, forge this new path forward. And then I just go back into, into the work, which I love and enjoy and building my team and hiring the right team members and how do I empower them and what's the strategy and so at, at no point of that journey, do you sit down and you're like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm the first, you know, Latina founder to raise all this cash for, for a series A for software. Like you, there, there's just no, you just don't have the time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And maybe it's just not my personality, but that's just not where, no, that's not right. where I anchor the, the success. It really feels like okay, we have all this money now. How do we create a bunch of great impact for this industry that we really believe in and love? And we know that there's a big opportunity both for the people that are in it to, to yeah. be elevated and be better and for our team to build something really cool. Um, so that's, those are all the things that, that I kind of think about. I, mm. I do like to imagine that, you know, there's there are, the, the way that I had my mom, I know that not everyone does, right? Not everyone has that that mom or that female figure to show them that it's done. So part of me hopes that I can be that for some, for some, you know, girls or women. And I'm lucky that I, that I have people who follow me and and verbalize that to me. I think that that's really, you know, not something that I ever strived for. And when you get those messages of, I did this because I followed you or, or, you know, this made me think of, thank you for pushing me to do like that. It's so cool. I don't think that, that I'm 
that's definitely not my goal, nor do I ever feel like, you know, you're welcome guys. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome that I'm, that I'm leading the path, but I think it, it's, it's such a special consequence of, of what I'm doing. And I hope that I can inspire a ton of, of girls and women and boys and men and, yeah. you know, and them to do and just go after, go after it. Absolutely. And you do. And what do you feel is the most, give me the, what's the most important thing in, in being an entrepreneur? If you could just break it down to one or two things. I think it's how you do things. It's not what you do because most of us fail, right? I mean, the, the chances are against you. Like the probabilities are that you're not going to have a big exit, that you're not going to build something huge. And, and so I go back to my belief system of it's the little things, right? It's the day to day. Mm. And so I think that for us, and I tell this to my team all the time, like we're optimizing for the journey. If we build a massive, you know, multi-billion dollar company and we hated every day there, I would not think of that as successful. If we enjoyed every single day, and in 10 years or five years or three years, we have to fold, that feels more successful to me. So I think it's, it's how you do it, how you treat people around you from your customer to your employee, to your partner, to your husband, yes. to your kids. You know, it's, just, it's, the, it's the little, the day-to-day of how you make people feel. What do you value when you're building? Is it like, is it really the value of what you're building? Is it the impact or is it just for show, you know, is it theatrics? Is it building the biggest thing? And, and that works, right? Like we've seen that some, some entrepreneurs focus on that and that works. I just, I, I wouldn't find that fulfilling to me. It's, it's really enjoying the, each, the steps along the way. Right. In terms of, of the businesses right now in the tech industry is what, what kind of peeves you about it? Is there one thing that's sort of like, oh God, I mean, is there something mm. that just, is there oh. anything that just, if you could change, change it, you would change it? it anything? I think in the mental health mm. space, I think that there's a lot of addiction in tech that we are, I don't think that enough of us are calling it what it is, you know, and just, and, and really championing technology that does good for the world. And that's not black and white. You know, you create products that a lot of times can have a side effect, right? I mean, that's, that happens in every type of product, food, pharma, tech, like that, that's, but I think that, that because we now have a decade under our belt of, of data and research, and we've seen some of the effects that tech can have in both directions, right? In like really positive directions and really negative directions. I think it's more important that we take accountability for that and, and build towards that. Obviously, the the most obvious examples are social media, which is not what I myself do, but we think a lot about it within our product and when we're building, what are ways that can we identify, even in the fitness and wellness space, can we identify mental health problems? And that's not our our prerogative, right? Like that's not our job, but can we can we still is there anything that we can that we can catch where we can flag it to people who are solving that or, or who can help. So I, I think just in general, knowing that you have impact on a large 
number of people. If you're in tech, that's usually the name of the game, right? You're servicing thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Is there anything that you can do to help humanity, you know, just be better instead of just push products and push engagement right. forward? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one more thing that I would add to that is I think that that's why we were, we were so specific going out to fundraise to find a board member and a partner that agrees with that. Right. Because I think that it's very easy to fall in the, in the hamster wheel of growth, growth, growth. And, and there are different ways of growing and there, and, and there are different consequences of the different approaches and decisions that you take. And so for us, we, we know that for us, our North Star is impact and value add, and we want to make the world a better place. And we have, we're very mission driven and social driven. So we wanted to find an investor who would make those decisions with us along the way, even if it meant, you know, that it might be 10% less profitable or more, right? Like who knows what those, and, and, and that to me is, is important in the tech world. It's not not it's it's just driven by a bunch of humans right and they're they're amazing human beings yes. and not so amazing human beings so it's not just it's not tech it's the people who are behind things that that really matter and finding aligned to you i think are is really important yes i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more and with your product so it, it, your product is servicing not just group classes, your product is also, I'm going back to your product because I just want to be clear so that people understand what the talent hack is. Yeah. You're servicing individuals as well as groups, right? I mean, if an individual trainer wants to go on the platform, they have the tools and the software to create a business from your software. Correct. And if someone wants to, right, sorry, you you're better at explaining it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the premise of it is we believe that the value that's being created in fitness and wellness comes from individual contributors. And so when you think about CPG product, like a product on a shelf, you know, at, at a store, that product had a recipe, it was developed, and then it's replicated and it's put across shelves. In our industry, it's service driven. It's individual people one-on-one in group settings, constantly creating and generating value for the industry, you know, from workouts to nutrition programs, to meditation communities, it's all driven by human beings who are constantly creating value. And so we thought, okay, if, if that's where the value is, this is a lot of, of individual people trying to figure it out on their own a very lonely career path, no real structure. You know, it's not like you take this test and you become the next level. There's, there are no levels. It's just kind of a, the wild west. How can we set up systems so that these individuals who are highly contributing to the industry can fend for themselves and can be, you know, paid what they deserve. And so, so right. that's how it started. And today we have the software that they use, like you said, it's kind of like a Shopify to, to sell their services. And we also build education for them. So how, what, what do you need to know to be the best that you can be at your career from how do you find a job to how do you set up your brand on social media to how do you build your business? So it, it's to us, we're agnostics. If you have a business, 
or if you're just starting out, we're agnostic to if you're teaching online or in person. It's really if you are a fitness or wellness professional and you need a community and advice and the path, we build products. We, we believe that technology is kind of the, the ground that you're going to stand on. You know, let's help you set up your business online so that you can sell yourself, so you can talk about yourself. Who's your ideal client? Should you work at a gym or a studio or should you go on your own? So that's, that's the core of our business. And then they serve their clients. And so we are also building products for their clients in a B2B2C way. So we serve our talents. They serve their clients through our technology. So we're also touching their clients that they're servicing each day. Great. That's incredible. I love wow. it. I mean, it, it's just, it's just so amazing. I mean, I would be thrilled and honored for you to be, uh, you know, my leader and working for you. I mean, it's, seriously, you are so inspirational and just so incredibly motivational. And I can't wait to get this interview out there for, for people to listen to. But I have one more question. Yes. Give me advice for your younger self. I know that, that I just basically made this whole thing about my mom, but for a good reason. One of the things that she said to me, and I understand it much more deeply now than I did when she said it to me when I was graduating high school, but she told me that the business is always going to give you a second chance and people won't. People give you one chance. So to treat them well, and I'm, I'm a people person. I just, I love people. I want to get to know them. I see potential in everyone and I'm excited to understand it. And, and, but a million times along the way, I haven't done it well, you know, for many reasons, but I think that's the, the most wise advice that I've ever been given. And again, like it's something that I just go back to all the time, the same way that my dad taught us about joy and happiness. This is one of, of as a, as a grown up, one that I always go back to. And it's so true. The business will rebound. The business will flop. The business will succeed. You know, businesses come and go. It's really how you make people feel that makes a really big difference in your life and in, and in your own fulfillment. And that's something that I wish everyone thought about more because it's just so important. Yes. It's great advice. It's wonderful advice. And all of your advice is fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so much for this incredible interview and you know, an insight to your world and what you do. And it's incredible. So Thank I'm, you I'm so thrilled. much. That was so much fun. I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of What Do You Believe?, Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We very much appreciate your continued support. Thank you.